0: Welcome to another episode of Three Men and a War Game. I'm Paul, and I am hoping that this is the most divisive episode yet.
1: <laughs> I'm Kevin, and I think it will be. <laughs> also known as Chops, I guess. Fuck <laughs>
0: uh,
2: I'm Potter, and again, like always, I have no fucking clue what to say because of you two.
1: All right, two f bombs in the first thirty seconds. Let's go, you. All guys. right,
0: then that's why we're explicit. All right, uh, so hobby progress.
1: Uh, I think I can go first because I had a. I've concluded my one month challenge and failed spectacularly.
0: No, uh, no. no, not spectacularly. <laughs> in like you didn't do anything spectacularly. In like you came damn close and painted some really awesome models.
2: All right, there yeah. is one person that failed spectacularly, and I will let you wait till Chops finishes to figure out who that is.
1: <laughs> so, so my, spoiler my alert: it's my, not hit. Chops. <laughs> <Yes>. yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, it's actually there's actually a little bit of tragedy in here. My goal initially was to paint a 40 point Bolton list for A Song of Ice and Fire in a month using only contrast paints, and I came pretty goddamn close. I got a uh, a unit of Bastard Girls painted. I got a unit of Flayed Men painted, and I got a unit of Cutthroats painted. I also painted um, all the extras that co- or the extra guy, like the Dreadfort Captain that comes with the Cutthroats. I got uh, a, the alternate and regular Roos painted. I got Theon, a.k.a. Reek painted. Uh, Ramsey is mostly painted. The What I'm missing at this point is finishing Ramsey, Peter Baelish, and another unit of Flayed Men uh, but also in the month, I did paint eight Carnival models. So I'm going to call it a wash, and I think I did pretty good uh, for the month, and I'll finish the, uh, the Song of Ice and Fire before I get to Gen Con. But the tragedy is that the reason I painted the Carnival models was so that I could play in an event at Gen Con, and then the event got canceled. So if I had just Aww. kept painting the Song of Ice and Fire minis, I probably would have finished.
0: <laughs> womp womp. Oh, that's sucks. Yeah, but
2: those current of all models are dope, man. You did a really good job on them. I mean, like, the one model does not even look like it's contrast paint. Yeah, so.
1: thank you. And also, for our listeners, uh, I would say look forward in the next 8 to 10 weeks. Uh, I'm going to shoot a prototype video for a system or for a new web series show preview right now, hot take, that I'm going to be filming and it'll be affiliated with uh, Three Men in a War game. And we'll be looking at uh, different two-player battle boxes. It's kind of going to be the theme of the show. I'll let you guys wait to see the name of it and all that once I unveil it. But it should be within the next eight to ten weeks.
0: Awesome. I'm looking forward nice. to that. Some, some kind the of uh, online video uh, presence for the show is yep. wonderful. Mm-hmm. I wish that we were closer to you so we could partake, man.
1: Yeah. I mean, you guys I know can. the
2: ideas, and it's a dope idea, and I, I can't wait for you guys to see it.
0: Yep.
1: I'm looking forward to it. Oh, yeah. There's uh, a specific so... concept. So, yeah. It's yep. going to be fun, though.
0: All right, Potter. So, what uh what have, uh, have you hobbied, progressed?
2: Um, so, I hope our listeners are not going to be surprised. I've done
0: shit. <laughs> <laughs> My uh...
2: kids... My kids have been gone for, uh, as of this week, it'll be of the the third week that they've been gone, and I have literally taken advantage of that and have relaxed every single night and have done, like, absolutely nothing because I don't ever get to do that. Awesome. So, so I took took advantage of it. Hey,
0: mental health days are grand. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. So,
2: I've been been binging a lot of tv been playing a lot of video games uh did some some painting uh on my walls of my house so uh counts do that, i'll allow so it you allow it so but no no hobby progress um i did buy new models
0: um i did do that but i don't have any paint on them how about That's it. how about you paul how about you, paul? Uh, well, I've, been, I've had a, a crazy busy month, um, and it's finally, my busy month has, has been coming to an end. Uh, uh, basically, since the last time Kevin and I recorded an episode two weeks ago, two weeks ago, three weeks ago? I don't know, a long two time ago. ago. Yeah. Uh, yeah,
2: whenever I was real sick, I don't remember. Right
0: after, right after the 4th of July, I think. But basically, I've slept at home once since July 3rd. Uh, maybe twice i don't quite remember and now i mean that was 20 days ago um so i haven't i haven't been home much to hobby um but but i am almost done with my trappers uh they are at a point where i need to do the non-contrast paints on them and do their base and at that point uh the majority of my free folk box is done basically it's a giant Craster and a unit of uh raiders left to be done. So uh I I feel great after after everything um being said and done as far as that that painting challenge because it's actually more than I initially thought I was going to do cuz I wasn't going to go in on the contrast. Um so realistically I was hoping to have two units done and I have a, a lot more than that. So Well, that's uh, awesome. No, yeah, no complaints Very here. Yeah, uh, it it was thrilling. I'm I'm looking forward to our next painting challenge to keep me accountable on painting again.
2: Yeah, you guys did great. I suck. Uh,
0: I think we'll, all we'll, right.
1: with this new video thing, there'll be pl- a, a painting challenge every month. <laughs>
2: uh, <laughs> damn. Yeah. <sighs> I'll get I'll get like a mini painted a month. So there yeah, join go. our join our Discord and get
1: done. in on the painting challenges.
0: Yes. Yes, we like talking about painting challenges and and contribute to our Patreon and get in our awesome painting channel on Discord specifically for Discorders oh, and nice patrons. Stuff.
1: All right, so outside of hobby progress, guys, and we'll, and we'll probably record an episode of this uh, before I leave for the week um, because I am heading to Gen Con uh, in Yay. a week's time. Uh, a week and a day from now, I will be on the road to Indianapolis. Um <clears throat> So, very, very excited. Uh, I, I'll save a lot of what I want to talk about for Gen Con hype until next week. Other than to say, um, are, is there anything you guys are specifically hyped about right now, a week out from the show?
2: No. I honestly haven't been paying attention to Gen Con. Um, I mean, what was Exodus hoping for some stuff for Lost World? Uh, obviously, 1.09 drops. Hopeful um, for that game. Yeah. Um, you're going to do some ninja shopping for me. Looking forward to that. Uh, but other than that, no, not really. I haven't been paying attention. Uh,
0: my big thing right now is that I am I'm hoping that 1.09 drops for Wild West Exodus in conjunction with uh, Gen Con. Uh, looking forward to hopefully some more information on Lost World Exodus, uh, also Dystopian Wars, and... Um, I'm kind of hoping that on is going to tell us something about the Baratheon, since we're, we're close on that. Yeah, uh, I believe it's... that was meant to be an August release, and so, so let's I, do think a quick, that, I think like that's coming One through five, quick. how
1: hyped are you for these things? So possible Baratheon early release.
0: I'm hyped just because I want to know what they do and, and if I want them.
1: So my, my, my level... Well, go... Oh, go ahead, Potter. I'm going to
2: go with a... Four yeah, I'm at I'm at a full on we've five. Seen the stag. I'm at a four just because I've, we've only seen the stag knights, and I'm looking for that second faction, and I really think Baratheons might be it for me because those stag holy shit!
0: Yeah, I I would honestly say right now my excitement level for that is five out of seven. <laughs> All right. <laughs>
1: All right. Get get into some old school internet references. Uh, I'm. <laughs> I'm at a uh, I'm at a I'm at a five out of five though. Um, mostly, I mean, I'm I'm so hyped that if, if it's there, I'm gonna buy it. Um, okay. Because I'm that excited, and because I want to like be in in on the excitement of being at the show and like you know busting. And the cool thing about A Song of Ice and Fire is I can buy that box, and then go over to the play area and actually play a game with it, um, which I will 100% do uh, if they have it. So hyped about that possibility all right so how about um if if, Infinity, if they have it I want,
0: I, and you oh. wait 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 if you if they have it and you get it i want card pictures right away so yes. this way potter and i can start fighting each other to determine Who, who's, who's going to get it one. yeah 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 fair enough, fair enough. Yeah.
2: you you can have you can have the the dothraki girl okay you can have yeah. her i'll give the Baratheans.
0: anyway Next. all right uh
1: infinity uh wildfire the new two-player box uh Shazvasti
0: versus o12 god I so want to be in on infinity I hate to
2: say that I'm a five out of five on
0: that one yeah I am Those
1: too o2 models are
2: amazing it's not
1: just the models it's the terrain like the the like, they're they're new easy to build terrain like I'm not I'm not I, I I'm really prone to hyperbole and hype no, and you guys know this. Everybody listening knows this. But that just, terrain, just, just a little. That terrain, it feels game-changing to me. The fact that it's double-sided, three millimeter cardboard cardstock—that's like the same size chits as Eagle Griffin Games does for Vito Laserta's board games. It's heavy-duty. It's not this like paper-thin paper craft stuff that most things that like, give out. I mean, this could be like legit cardboard terrain that you could use to fill an entire board if they sell it. And if they keep adding, yeah, it's to the really line, nice. It's so good, you guys. Like, I am monstrously hyped if, for the terrain alone. <clears throat> so, <clears throat> sorry, I'll be buying that box. I think there. That's a, that is a for sure a for sure purchase for me is Wildfire because they're going to have like a Gen Con exclusive uh, three model edition that you can buy with it that they're only going to have at the show. I think so. I'm definitely going to buy that. That's a five out of five for me. Going to be bought. Um, all right, guys. So, private to your press.
0: Uh, oh man, that's what I'm looking at now. Sorry, I just pulled up that three. Ugh. Okay.
1: What? what are you looking at?
0: Those three models are amazing. Oh yeah. That are box. you looking at Operation Wildfire? No, I'm looking at the I'm looking at the advance pack. The yeah, the the advanced the pack. The, yeah. the, mm-hmm. uh, the metal cat Japanese cat kind of thing from uh, that's like in Malifo is amazing.
1: Oh my god. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty great. Mm-hmm. Um, I so hate I, you. Like I said, I'll probably be getting that for sure. I'll be stopping. Also, by. that
2: Valkyrie model is great too.
1: Um, now let's go on yeah. to year uh, Press Riot Quest.
0: Uh, I I got to tell you, I'm so far behind. I don't even know if I could tell <laughs> you what Riot Quest is at this point. Right. Honestly, it's
1: a so hex hex based. <sighs> Uh, hex-based board slash skirmish game. It, this is like as beer and pretzels as beer and pretzels gets. If I had, to, but it uses it uses ra- your
0: your war machine models, right? It you can no, you, no it's
1: yes. new models, but all of the models are war machine models. Yes, correct.
2: They are like Eris is in there. Okay, um, some of the Warcasters are in there. Um, we were talking um, about that a, a bit today in the Discord. Uh, I was very shocked at how much our privateer press channel was moving today. Um, I'm a three out of a five on this one. So uh, yeah, I, I think like this, the concept.
1: I, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. A three out of five. I'm gonna buy it though. I'm gonna paint it at the show because it's five models. Uh, I'm taking my contrast paint specifically, right. and I'm gonna paint it at the show because I want to play it there. But I have a, I have an interest in this game because I have an eight year old at home and. She is like the target audience right. for this game. This game has really bright, vibrant, cartoony art. Um, it the rule set feels like it's like a Saturday morning like adventurers cartoon. Um and that and I, I get why that might not appeal to some people. Um, but for me, I think it's like I am right in the target demo as like a older miniature gamer with kids who wants to get his kids involved in the hobby. And you know. Mon is a little bit expensive to like give to an eight year old and ask her to paint. Whereas this game, you know, if there's like 12 to $15 minis that come out and she's really into it, like that's a really good, cool thing, you know, like every once in a while, if she's been really good and she's like, Hey, I want to get a riot quest model. That's a really cool way to do it. And it's not so expensive that I'm going to be worried about it. Um, So I'm, maybe I'll elevate to a four out of five on riot quest. The the mechanics, you guys are really light. If I had to, if I had to wait, rate, wait, on a game where, you know, Infinity is like a 5 uh, and Monopoly is like a 1. Um, this game sits at like a 1.7. It's not super heavyweight. There's not, a lot of, there's not a ton of decisions happening. It's more like reacting to the things that are happening on the board and dealing with the craziness. Um, but it looks like the kind of game that's really fun to play, uh, you know, outside of your main games, maybe for like a half hour before or after a main game night or even just like having beers with your friends at your house. So I'm pretty excited for
0: it.
2: Yeah. I I like the art style for it. Um, We were talking earlier, like it's, it's very reminiscent of the old goblin card games that priority press did. I think there's two of them. Mm -hmm. I really like that style. Those games were fun and they were humorous. um, And it brought that element. And I'm with you chops. Like, you know, my son has started to, uh, you know, take notice and interest. And he's, he's saying that he wants to learn how to play games. And I'm like, I was sitting here struggling, I'm like, all right, what am I going to introduce them to? It was like maybe kill team, um, but you know, I don't really have a lot of GW stuff anymore. And also, there's so like list just...
1: building and all kinds of stuff involved there. Right. Riot Quest just seems really friendly to a younger audience, and the models right. are friendly to a younger audience. They're really like characterful and goofy. Yeah. So yeah,
2: I mean, that would be perfect for like you said, like for a five year old or something. Like you know, very target. Uh, you know, you and me are the target audience for young kids. Older gamers. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I want to see some more of the mechanics. I've watched a little bit of the staff showdowns, uh, but obviously, those are a little harder to, to gauge your interest on because of the fact that they're uh, the controlled environment. Not very good. Right, yeah, controlled environment. So, uh, I'm, I'm interested in it. Uh, I, I love the War Machine world. We've talked about that before. It's one of my favorite gaming worlds uh, that's been created. Uh, you know, I love War Machine Hordes. I just don't like who I am when I play. So I think Riot Quest will allow me to play at the at the lower level and, you know, and have fun with my kid yep. and be able to play War Machine world
1: games. Yep, And, and to give the listeners a, a little bit of a primer, basically the Infernals are like the big bad in the War Machine world. And this game takes place after the Infernals won and reaped most of humanity off the map. Uh, so spoiler alert, the Infernals win. Uh and Riot Quest is like the people who are left that are just like, oh my God, look at all this treasure that got left in places when everybody got reaped off the planet, uh, <laughs> and you're going around picking up loot. Uh, so that is that's the main concession of the game. And it seems it's really it looks really fun, really lighthearted. So Riot Quest, uh, I think those outside. I don't want to talk too much about more stuff. I think that's the, the we'll save it for the main uh, hype episode. But it was cool to just, you know, talk about those three things. Like, basically the three things that I'm very likely to buy while I'm there. Um,
2: Plus Malifaux.
1: Yeah, oh, I, yeah, but we'll talk about that in the, in the main. Uh, we'll, like I said, we'll record a, uh, a Gen Con hype. And, yeah, I'm going to be buying Malifaux stuff. There's no question there. <laughs> surprise, surprise, Yeah, definitely a Bayou book. Uh, and I'll be ninja shopping a lot, and we'll talk about that. All right, guys. Main topic for tonight uh we're gonna talk about games workshop uh, Ooh. specifically because games workshop has a big game on the horizon uh Ooh. coming
0: out
1: yeah on the sat the saturday of gen con uh and that big game they have coming out is war cry and we speculated a lot i wish i would have gone back and listened to that episode to see- listen to my predictions i didn't whoops um <laughs> but i think i was i was a lot correct and a little bit incorrect um, with the predictions that I was making about the game. Um, So first of all, before we get into it, uh, we're going to do that same one through five scale, uh, starting with Potter. Where are you at on this game right now?
2: Right now with what I have seen, what I've been, what I've, what I've read, uh, what videos I've watched, I am still at a four out of five on this game. Yep.
1: Me too. Straight up. How about you, Paul?
0: Does the scale go into the negatives? Cool.
1: No, that's good. That's good. I like negative. Ne- negative Paul. Yeah. Pa- Paul is Paul is less. He Paul is more interested in burning a copy than buying one.
0: Yeah. No. Yeah. I. I mean, honestly, there is there is zero interest in this uh, from me at all. And actually, all right. uh, some of the things that I heard people complaining about, I was like, that's actually I'm okay with that. That would actually be somewhat intriguing, but. We'll get into that, I guess.
1: All right. So let's talk about the basics of Warcry, and then we'll let this like conversation happen happen organically. Um, so the ultra basics here. Uh, this is a skirmish game set in the Age of Sigmar universe, uh, primarily concerned with brand-new uh, chaos warbands. Um, th- so they've shown us six so far, and they've previewed two. Um Paul, I think you have things to say about this model range, and, and, and they're entertaining, so I think we should let you uh, talk to us a little bit about how you feel about these models.
0: Well, I mean, here's the thing about the models, is that I, I'm, I'm a little bit older than you guys, right, by a mm-hmm. few years, mm-hmm. so I definitely grew up in the 80s, and mm-hmm. there was a lot of hair metal at the time, and mm-hmm. I feel like just about every single one of these models walked off a rejected '80s hair metal album cover. <laughs> I'll give you a, a, a and, couple of them, and and it, and the it, and the ones that are better are like rejected Slayer album covers. So I'll I'll raise you and say it's,
1: it's hair metal or WWF, <laughs> like it's, it's one of the two. Um, but like, but. I think in a good way. For me, I I think we have uh, the. We both feel that way, and I think I get better vibes off of it than you do. I think these models are pretty rad, specifically the Mm -hmm. unmade, the guys who like cut their faces off. Like, oh, I hate
0: those. See, I hate those (laughs) so. Like, those are the ones that I actually not only just dislike (laughs) but despise
1: so much. (laughs) So the, the, thing, the thing that I think is super rad about them is all six of them, if you look, the way that they design these models, and you learn this if you listen to the Age of Sigmar podcast that, that uh, Games Workshop actually um, makes on their own, the, one of the core design philosophies that they took with these is they wanted them to be radically different, but they all wanted them to look like Warcry warbands and have a specific thing that identifies each one, but then ties them into a specific theme. And right, so, so they gave these them... guys
0: floppy arm gloves. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, they all have belts. So every 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 one of these th- every one of the war bands wears a belt with a specific symbol on it. And if you go back and you look at yes, it, I, floppy I arm skins it.
2: It's just skinned
1: hmm? arms. That's all it is. <laughs> okay. So So the cool thing is that most of the belts have insignia, but the unmade belts because these guys are like chaos cultists that are like super warped. And the thing that they do as part of their initiation is they cut this, they flay the skin off their own faces, and that's what's on their belts. So yeah, and their arms, pretty...
0: and it's just it, like the arm, the arm ones are just silly. That's my thing is that it's just silly. It's not scary. It's 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 like. Uh, it, it it's like the the Friday the fort the Friday the thirteenth like seventh movie at this point where it's, like it's just pain, so over it's the like top and in, in, in Eden. No, but that's but that's done with more class. This is just so over the. T- I feel like it's so over the top <laughs> that we've done it. Did we've been there. Now they're class? trying to one up themselves, and it's not working.
2: See, this, see, this is where I disagree with you because. I've actually – over the over the past few years, GW has actually made this attempt and this, this track of where their models are going. They're getting away from that, like, 1980s, you know, hard – death metal, hard metal, whatever, metal, metal look. They've gotten away from it. I actually love these because it's bringing it back,
1: and I, I like, like that, that. I like that they're leaning back into the, like – the super metal old school GW look with a yeah. modern twist, like the Corvus, the the like crow model guys are so. Oh, fucking the Corvus cabal cool.
2: are great.
1: Yeah, well, and they're... it's it,
2: again, it, and it's showing you that it can be done in a modern way. Right, it's not the traditional very stocky kind of. And I will say, the, un- the Unmade and the Cypher Lords are probably my two least, least favorite. favorite factions, See, it's, it's, f- from a model-wise.
0: I feel like, yeah, I feel I like, like, like with the, the Cypher Lords, I feel they were like they were just like, let's take Illuminati symbols and make them helmets.
1: <laughs> See, I, and I thought it was more like... There's a were, triangle they, on they...
0: the back of the dollar bill. Let's put that on a guy's head. <laughs>
1: Honestly,
2: they, they, the cipher lords make me think of that. Uh, oh god, what was it? That Jennifer Lopez movie where she goes in the mind of the uh, serial controller. The cell?
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah
2: that's what that. That's what the cipher lords make me think of. Is just like the cell just puked on models. That's it's funny. They and like they see and for me and for me
1: when I see them, I think, "What if Zinch inspired Sparta?" Uh, and that's kind of like what I see when I look at them. But um,
0: I don't I see know the back I, of the dollar I, I, bill.
1: That's fair, that, and this is a, this is why art is interpretive, right? Everybody sees know. a different well, thing.
0: Well, and and the the other thing the other thing that I thought of on, on the more positive side of them is is that I did think of uh, the cryptex from Stormlight Archive.
1: Well, there you go. So okay. that was on that's the upside that's of them. But that's, but other than that, right, other than that, upside. it
0: looked like just just bad right, Paul, interpretation of Paul, Illuminati symbols on you, helmets. You ha-
2: you have to pick one of these factions. Based on aesthetic, which one are you picking is the best for you?
0: The one that I think works the best are the bird persons.
2: Okay. Yeah, the bird boys.
0: Yeah, the bird persons. And there was another one that I thought was okay. Um, but if, if like, I ended up with the bird people, I would totally paint them all like bird person from Rick and Morty.
1: Yeah, so it's bird person, <laughs> snake person. Uh, yeah, I think I think the snake. Per- I
0: think the snake person was the other one that I was okay with.
2: Yeah, see, see going for me. It's it's Iron Golems, Corvus Cabal, then Untamed Beast, and the oh, rest of like them. Iron Golems
0: are out. terrible. The hell is Dude, wrong with it, you? Pe- how are, how do you people even get into this? Like that's just that's just insane.
2: It's mad. It's like Mad Max on. It steroids is not. For me looking at them. Yes, it is. Dude, they have a freaking uh, chaos dwarf in there. That's like all. St- Dunty and armored and holding two hands. I love it. I love it. That's a great model. I
0: love them. Get off of my lawn. And I'm the weird. I'm the weirdo right, who likes the models right.
1: you guys both hate. But anyway, I think the models are fine. All right. So we talked. We talked about that to death. But all right. So this is a. It's a GW game. So it uses d6s. Surprise, surprise. Um, but one thing that I will say is this game is fully alternating activation, So that's the first brand new thing. I, I don't know of really any GW games before it that are straight up alternating activations. I guess actually Titanicus is. But outside of that, this is like the first game um, that's like straight up. So I think that's cool. I think it's showing some growth in Games Workshop rules design that they are... Uh, willing to part from tradition now and like let some new blood designers in and do some new things. And so a skirmish game with alternating activations I think is just what the doctor ordered. But let's talk first of all about, let's just go through some innovative mechanics that this thing has. And the first thing that I really like about this game, and and do you guys know, I know Chris, you do, because we talked about it a little bit in the pre-show, but Paul, do you remember the open war cards for Age of Sigmar? So... I really like that they took that concept of the open war cards and then designed a game around it. Um, And if you don't know what I'm talking about, the open war cards for Age of Sigmar were basically cards where you flip for deployment, flip for the mission, and flip for a twist um, and flip for deployment. Um, And it's the same thing in this game, except there's a huge fat stack. And every terrain set, they'll be selling kill zones, kind of like Kill Team. They're called something different because it has to be, you know, whatever GW terminology. But every one of those is going to come with a new set of these cards, too. I don't know if it's everything or if it's just the. The terrain and deployment cards, but it's going to come with, like, all of them are going to come with these cards so that when you build the terrain, you have, like, more things you can add to make more variability. And the way that it works is before you start the game, you uh, flip a card to set the terrain down, you flip a card to figure out where your deployment spots are, you flip a card to decide what the objective is, and then you flip a card to see what the twist is. Um, and the objectives are, from everything that I've seen, and we haven't seen them all, and there are two different kinds of objectives. There are some objectives that are notated on the cards as being for match play specifically, um, and then there are others that aren't. And the, ma- the we, you know, assuming the match play ones are a little more balanced, but all of the missions that at least I've seen are either, uh, grabbing and holding an objective or killing specific models on the opposing side. Um... I don't know if they're all going to be like that or not. Maybe they will. Maybe they won't. But it looks like the average game takes about 45 minutes. So that seems about right for those kind of objectives.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and then uh, the other part of it is the twist cards. And if you're not familiar how these work is they are sort of random things. Like you could flip a card that says like it's, uh, you know, like a, a whiteout and everything, you know, loses line of sight to a specific range or, It could be that corn is blessing the battlefield, so everybody has one extra attack and does two extra damage on their normal damage or something like that, right? Like, Mm -hmm. those are what the twists do. Or they might be, like, monsters that actually come out onto the board. So... The cool thing about this to me is that every game it, it kind of it's not quite as good as Malifaux's uh, schemes and strats obviously because the objectives aren't that deep and don't require custom crew building but it does give you an immense it feels like at least out of you know, at, at face value a lot of depth in replayability um, just right out of the box which I think is very smart and also again un- unlike maybe GW in the past. Um, that right out of the box, they want to give you tons of different ways to play the game. uh, And they want the game to feel fresh for a long time.
2: Yeah, I mean, I I will say, like you said, you and I talked about this, but the open war cards were probably my favorite way of playing Age of Sigmar. So seeing that this game has been designed around that concept, uh, I'm I'm all for it. It is one of the things that's got me, you know, to the higher levels of hype uh, on it. Same. It is, you know, just seeing that, You know, all you know—it's got the the way the extra thing that you got in the Age of Sigmar didn't have is that you've got the terrain placement, Um, so that helps. I can see that being a negative as well too, because uh, it was to me it's both the positive and negative because I think it makes it easier for your games to be played. Uh, as someone that sucks at setting up decent kind of terrain setups, I like it. But at the same level, I also don't like it because I'm constricted to it and sometimes those diagrams aren't the best easy to read if going off what Kill Team was like. Because Kill Team has the same kind of mechanic where you, could, you, you have to put your terrain in a specific kind of way. So I, I see plus and minuses to it based on Kill Team. Uh, this is smaller levels of terrain than Kill Team. So, you know we'll we'll see how it plays out.
0: So for me, this is one of the few things that uh, when I look at the game, I say, oh yeah, that's that that's actually really cool is is the excessive use of of the cards for variety,, uh, which is also kind of good because as you expand your collection, if that's what you want to do, uh, you can have more variety. Um, mm-hmm. But I think that that but, I- but the thing is, uh, one of the things that I saw kill-team-wise locally was that everybody fought like the first one or two, and, and that was it.
2: Right. And, and now, I did not happening? realize... Yep. Yeah, and I didn't, I didn't realize that they were going to be doing more cards in the terrain packs as they come out, and I really like that. I mean, uh, Fantasy Flight's done that with Star Wars, and I think that's a great way to keep the game fresh and adding in those objectives, so that is a bonus for me as well, too, um I like that that they're going to be doing that. Yeah. Plus the terrain so far that we've seen is really good. So I'm I'm only you know hoping new more kind of themed stuff comes out as we th- see things I mean there's two factions that still aren't out yet um and because And that's just uh, so initially, they're... right?
1: Like they could be supporting this game heavy duty and we could see, you know, a dozen factions within the next 2 years, right? Well, I mean,
2: yeah, I mean, but I'm just talking specifically the chaos factions because I guess the lore behind this is is that there is a chaos faction in every single mortal realm. So that's at least nine so far, or eight, right? At least right. eight. Well, it's it, it's it, it is, but the thing is, is one of the the one of the realms is actually controlled by Corn Bloodbound. So it's hit or miss if we're going to see Corn Bloodbound in there because they they control a whole realm. I think they actually showed
1: that that war band's name so far, and it's not Bloodbound, So that could be pretty cool, actually. Okay. I can't remember if it's the sons of flame or it's something, I don't know. They're there. Anyway, there's some cool stuff.
2: So, yeah, that's going to be good. And I like the the theme terrain that they've come out with so far for in in Age of Sigmar 2.0 has been nice for all the the different levels of, you know, faction specific terrain that they've been coming out with. So, I you know, I hope that they get down to that level here and we'll see what they do.
1: All right. Yeah, yeah. For sure. Okay. So, let's now talk about the second uh the second part of the game, main part, which is like uh the gameplay itself after you do the setup. So the hero phase in this game, I think, is another one of the most the more innovative mechanics. And I and you guys can correct me if I'm wrong after I sort of described this a little bit, but I don't think GW or any company has ever done anything anything quite like this. So the way that it works is you get a handful of six dice and you roll those six dice. And each player does that. And then what you're looking to do here is you're basically looking at the six dice you roll, and you're finding out how many single values that you have, which is to say, how many values did you roll that aren't anything else? Like, if you have a single one, a single two, a single three, that's three singles. And the player who rolls the most singles takes initiative for the round, so they get the first activation for the round. But the the, the converse of that is that the dice that are not singles, the dice that again, aren't singles, those are going to be doubles, triples, and quads. So that's like if you roll two twos or two sixes, three fours, et cetera. Those are your doubles, triples, quads. Those are actually used to activate special abilities on the models that you bring to the table. So this dice dice roll both affects your initiative and it also affects the special abilities that you have access to on a round-by-round basis. And then you get one bonus die per round that you can use to set to any value and influence this roll outside of what you, you, you actually roll. So there's a little bit of luck mitigation built into that. Um... And, and it, so it, it, you know, it, it works like, act, again, like initiative. And it's also a resource that you have to manage because this is basically the main resource outside of your AP that you have that you're going to be using for your fighters is when when to use your big bad moves that are listed on your fighters uh, or your war bands card.
2: Yeah, so this... This is a new mechanic, but it is something that is very similar to something GW actually has done before. Uh, Silver Tower had a very similar mechanic with their mm. fake Dice system. Mm. So you would roll a pool of dice in Silver Tower and you could set those dice aside and you had to keep the same values. It wasn't just like, you know, this one where it's like, okay, you have doubles, you just know that you have doubles. But in that one you kept like, okay, I rolled a 1, I rolled a 4, I rolled a 5, I rolled a 6, I rolled a three, three, two. You get to set those aside, and those could influence your uh, abilities. Like if you really needed to fight, you know, win something, you could throw the six in there to win. So it is similar that you're rolling a pool of dice to modify future actions, but it still does work a little differently.
1: All right, cool.
0: Yeah, I like I like the fact that it that it kind of compensates you for having bad luck on those die rolls by giving you initiative.
1: Yeah exactly I think that's neat and I think also they give you that bonus dice too right that you can use for if you're like really needed if you, mm-hmm. you you're gonna you're guaranteed to at least get a double even if you roll one two three four five six you can at least use the bonus dice to get a double
2: right and then again if you if you it also rewards the other player that if you someone gets a quad they have the chance to go first to try and prep for it as well too. So there, is, it, there is that balance to this. So
0: that is that is nice. Unless you get a quad and two singles, and the other person gets all like doubles, then you get a yeah, quad and, get and you doubles. get to go first.
1: But but if I get three doubles, I'm in happy town because that means sure. I have more access to, even if it's not as game breaking an ability, it's still it's more consistent to more cool right right. Okay. right.
0: But yeah. that's but that's actually the the nice thing about that system is that it 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 kind of you know adjusts for you.
1: Yeah, I'm and I, like yeah. I said, I'm all for it. I think this is a, I think it's really smart. Again, I think it's a pretty it's for GW. It's like very innovative. Uh, yep, it is. They don't they don't take a lot of risks in their games like this, so it's, it's really cool to see them flexing on the design a bit and and doing something that's as uh, flexible you know, think, as the system appears to be. I
2: I think the success of Shadespire has. Prompted them to try and take a little bit more risk because Shadespire was something when it came out, it was definitely something that was outside of GW's comfort zone. They've seen a lot of massive success with Shadespire to the point I think we're getting up to the the most like there's that's I think it was the big GW hype for Gen Con is the potential update for say, Shadespire um, Wave Three or Wave Four or something. Yeah, it's three. Uh,
1: Beast Grave. Yeah, Beef Grave. Beast Grave.
0: Oh my God, beef grade. <laughs>
1: and we have a
2: new mystery science theater God, God thing it. for no. Paul to do. Yeah. It's
1: literally beast grave, and it's like it's it's a new underworld, right? So we've left Shade Spire right. now, because Night Vault was in Shade Spire, and the first season was Shade Spire, and this is a brand new underworld. So we're gonna see new themed crews, some some new kind of stuff. For, but anyway, we're not talking about that. We're talking about Warcry.
0: Yeah, I can't uh, wait I can't wait till they show us what the uh model for beef hard cake looked like.
2: There it is. <laughs> All right.
1: All right, Paul. Blast
0: hard cheese. Okay.
2: <laughs> All right, let's move chops. Get us back on topic.
1: Yep. Okay. So I wanna segue this discussion we've had about the initiative phase into talking about the actual crews themselves. So you're gonna bring a thousand points, and um, from what I can tell, models range from you know like the 200 range down to the 80 range, maybe a little lower, a little higher. That's just sort of what I've what I've seen. Um, and the models, at their core, they have three stats. They have a um, like a movement stat. They have a defense stat, and they have a boy, I'm sorry, guys. Wound stat. So they basically have how many wounds they can take. And there's a pretty big pile of wounds in this game. I think even the, the, the weakest scrubs have seven or eight wounds, up to 30. Um, and then you have how fast they can move uh, and how hard it is to hit them. And then outside of that, each we- each car, like fighter's card, and this is how this, this game is all cards. That's For me, a high, high, high point in this game is that I don't have to look at stat lines in a book. Uh, they're printed on cards, and the cards are language independent. They use strictly symbols. There's no words on the cards. Uh, and then there's one unified card for your whole uh, your whole army, so to speak, that actually has English on it. And obviously, they're doing this to make the game easier to sell in multiple regions, um, but I think it's smart because it really gives you a good at-a-glance without a ton of verbiage taking up the cards, and it leaves them room for the graphic design to be very clean and under- easily to understand which it is. But the weakness, I think, is that if you're you know, listening and thinking critically, that there isn't a lot for the game designers to mess with, right?
0: Mm-hmm. Because
1: there's not a lot of abilities on the cards. Because even if you look at a- AOS or, um, or 40K, there's large blocks of text on most fighters, because everybody's got some kind of unique ability. And here you don't. You have your weapons. Uh, your weapons have stats too, right? They have a range they can go, amount of attacks you get, a strength of the weapons and how much damage they do. And damage is broken up into two uh, types, either standard or critical damage. Critical damage is on when you roll sixes. Everything else does regular damage. Um, or every other hit does regular damage. So the thing that I worry about, and this is, I think, my central worry of this game is that there isn't a lot of design space to separate these factions from one another because that just doesn't feel like a big enough stat block. I mean, even if you look at Shade Spire, right, like these, guys, these characters have specific things that they can do, and the only place they have to work with this in this game is on the sort of gang or whatever on their actual card in their double, triple, and quads, and that's it. Outside of that, like, I just don't know how much differentiation they can put on the models, but that's only a thing we can speculate about until the models come out but i would like to like hear your guys' thoughts on that specific weakness that i think might be there
0: it de- it depends on on how much they expand those icons as they release new things
1: that's fair but i still don't think that they're going to be i mean it's still no matter what though right it's not like a a, a specific like, all right so The models have specific icons, and those icons are tied to special abilities on the card, right? So if you look at the quads, not every model in your gang can do the quad maneuvers. Only models that have the symbol that tie to the quad can. Right. So it's kind of like printing the abilities on the cards, but even then you have to roll the dice to get access to them. And if you don't, right, then you just have a bunch of guys that aren't very different from each other other than, like, this one could take more wounds this one's a little faster this one has a weapon that can reach a little further
2: right yeah that's what i was about to say is like there's you're really like the levers they can push and pull on
1: aren't as uh, wide as any other game they've made and uh, that could just be me not thinking correctly right like i i could i'm willing to be proven wrong on this it's just from the two warbands that i've seen and the let's plays that i've watched i worry a little bit about it
2: the only thing i can see chops that may expand it is if in the future they come out with other faction ability cards that are different than the current ones right there, and they oh, put some so like the of...
1: untamed beasts get like a B team release, and they have yeah. another box right. that gives them new abilities. Okay, right. Yeah, I'd buy that. That seems okay.
2: I mean, I, I could I could see that, and and so there was some on I mean, an FAQ that I think GW did on the Warhammer community site. They were talking about the fact that like how you can mix and match the different models to make your your warbands have different models. So like if you the iron golems and you wanted, you know. Four of the guys with the shields, you know, right now you have to buy basically two kits. But they were taking, talking about the fact that these will come out in individual releases in the future. And GW has been very famous mostly since 8th edition uh, 40K where they have been coming out where there were release models that have set rules when they're released. And then when they go to individual releases outside of the of the starter box sets... They get new rules. So that could be potentially that's something that's come out that we will see when they get the individual boxes. Maybe we'll get something where they've got more abilities uh, that they can use. And it may be more of that like these guys right here that only have this symbol can do it, which will make you want to take those guys in your warband because they're the only ones that can do those abilities that that potentially is something we could see
1: all right and and, you know like I said I'm not that worried about it I'm not gonna be too worried about it until I need to be worried about it right until I've bought the game I've played like a hundred games and I'm like oh my god this is just like it's it's basically just a bunch of smurfs fighting over like king of the hill and everybody feels the same like until that happens I'm not worried about it right like
0: it, I mean one it, of, one it, of the one of the things I just want to cut in here real quick. I mean War Machine does a very good job of having um you know abilities throughout the game that are really just pictograms just like this. Uh I mean yeah, that's that's Machine, how, that's how they des- that's how they designate all their their special abilities.
1: Yeah, but War Machine models have t- Tons of words on their cards too, right? Like there's like very specific things that specific models can do. And you, you, again, you guys could be right. You guys could be very right. This is just like me as a person who's like designing a game, right? And thinking about what goes into my design process, and then looking at those cards and going, "Ooh, that doesn't feel like a lot of levers they can pull on." Um, But I agree. But it's I I, I, I really think it's
0: I I think the difference is is making. More specific levers,
1: sure, and and I really hope that that's the case, and I, I hope that they that they do make those specific levers, and that I'm wrong, because I, you know, as we've said before, I mean they're gonna they're like, gonna have
0: to, because if they don't, as of right now, it just doesn't seem like there's a whole lot of a lot of that variety. I mean, yeah, you have of, you have like right, two things you can do with each lever, and there's only two levers,
1: right? And and the consequence of that is you have a game with a lot of interesting mechanics and no game, which is right. not good. Um, but, again, I haven't played it, right? So it's pure speculation, and I'm willing to be wrong. Like, obviously, because I've said that already. I'm willing to be wrong, and I, I want to be wrong. But just the right. thing I'm worried about. Anyway, and, and I, and we're, let's get back onto the, the actual game itself. So we talked about how the initiative phase works and then how that ties into your triples and quads. Talked about the triples and quads and how that links into your fighter cards. So what do you, what's the main meat of the game? and the main meat of the game is the combat phase, right? So we've got fully activating, fully altering activations, and the basic flow of the game is that I activate a model, you activate a model, and every model has two AP, and the AP can be used to either move, attack, disengage, or wait. Um, So those abilities are pretty pretty like what you would expect, right? Move, you move your move value. Attack, you choose a weapon profile on your card and attack with it. And how attacks work in this game leads us to the other thing that GW, I don't think, has ever done before which is completely throw the hit, wound, save roll out the window. There just isn't that anymore. You roll a dice, you compare your weapon's strength to the defense of the model you're hitting. If you're Higher than their defense, it's threes to hit. If you match their defense, it's fours to hit. If you're lower than their defense, it's fives to hit. That easy. That's all it is. If yep. you hit, you do your min damage. If you roll a six, it's critical damage, and you do the higher damage. That's it. Like So there's a couple things there. One negative is like when I attack you, you have no agency. It's just the will of the dice, uh, and there's nothing that you're doing on my turn but, you know, the swing of that is that it is alternating activations, and as soon as I do something, you get to do something. But it takes a little mm-hmm. player agency out of, your, you know, out of your hands. So that's something to think about. Like, even in a game like Malifaux, you're still flipping cards, right? And you have an ability to, to negate possible incoming swings. Um, here, you don't have that. And I don't know, how do you guys feel about that? Like, getting rid of hit, wound, save, um, and the potential for, like, some weird damage spikes.
2: And I think it's going with what they're wanting with trying to get it as a quick table, coffee table size game. You can get quick games in, you know, two, three games in a night if you want. I I think it it works for that aspect of it. Um, As someone that uh, on the receiving end of that, I would like to have a chance to defend against it. You know, because obviously you're not going to just sit there and let somebody come up and smack you around and not defend against it. So I, there is that level aspect where I feel like there should be at least an armor save throw. Right. Yeah, there's and, and there's I so many to... games
0: now that give you so much player agency when you're getting attacked that it's 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 almost a hard pill to swallow to be like, oh, now I'm going back to, uh, you know, we we've always kind of commented that GW, you know, Warhammer, uh, when you're when you're playing and it's the other person's turn, you're not really doing much other than picking up models, but hell yeah, at least get a save throw. Here you get nothing other than than yeah. marking your damage.
1: And and but the thing is, right? There the we I did note that the models have a pile of wounds, right? They right. And do. models models that wounds. have models that have potential to do high amounts of damage typically have lower amounts of dice. So you're not rolling as many dice. Also we know how dice work, right? And we look at a weapon and we're like, I get to roll two dice and the critical value on the dice is, let's say, like, 6, holy shit, that means I can roll 12 damage. But, like, box cart, like, we know dice math. That's not a common occurrence. It's going to happen, mm-hmm. right? Like, every once in a while that guy's going to swing on you and you will be like, 12 damage, oh, my God. But most of the time it's going to be whatever the minimum damage is. So maybe it's 3 damage, and maybe you only hit once, right? Like, that. that that's just how dice work. So I think it's going to be less of an issue um, than maybe we think it is. And as we get into how deployment works and how reserves work, it's even less of an issue. Um, But uh, it, it does feel weird that you have no agency at all. It's just like, you roll the dice and then maybe I'm picking my model up or tracking wounds. But also I'd, I'm not I don't want to be quick to like shame GW because one of the things we often criticize them for is for always sticking with tradition. So it's kind of cool to see them try something new.
0: Yep, absolutely. I mean, they are trying new stuff, which is good. As a player, it feels bad.
2: Yep. Not being able to to do something to to negate it. Cuz what happens when that guy does roll that box cars? You know, I've got no real recourse. I just take it and I've got to deal with it.
1: Right. And, and that, but I think that's part of the game. And I think also like if you manage where your models are and you correctly deploy your models, like there's a lot of ways to sort of like play around those sorts of damage spikes, right? Like any game that we've ever played, it's like we see this mechanic and we haven't played it, right? So we're basically poo-pooing on something that we don't know how it feels because we haven't played it um and we haven't had time to think about well if i group this model with this model and they come on together then that means i can be more careful about play and counterplay against that big beater you know what i mean like there's just there's like a lot of things that we're not taking into account because we actually haven't had our brains on the game yet we're just like theory crafting
2: of the game in so maybe i'll try that and see what i can see
1: all right yeah we got a couple co- a couple uh local stores that have copies too um i'm hoping to try it at least once or and I'll, you know i'll probably try it at gen con too because i'll be there um so i'll try and, and get a demo in while i'm there um so we talked about that's that's basically attacking there's also a disengage move which is like you get to just move a model three inches out of combat which is kind of neat because that can let you you know do whatever you need to do elsewhere maybe you get on a button or do what you need to do and then there's what i think is one of the cooler abilities so one of the tokens that you get in this game is like it's an activation slash weight token so you put a token next to a guy if that guy has activated to know what they've activated but the opposite side of the activation token is weight and so The weight activation allows you to use one of your AP to effectively pass so that you can take an action later on. Um, And I think maybe that's one of the coolest mechanics in this whole game because it opens up this amazing amount of tactical depth and ability to deal with uh, potential um, activation advantage because you know if you're the if you're the player if you think about it if you're the player with activation advantage and you've got one or two extra models, it's not in your best interest to wait, uh, because that means that all your model can do is like one thing on their next turn. Whereas if you're the out-activated model. And you know you are. You can get to a place where you might be on a button and you wait so that you can see if anybody comes at you. And then the other player has to remember that you have the ability to strike back if they come in on you. Um, And it just, I think it leads to some pretty cool um, play and counterplay, the ability to wait. I don't know if you guys have, have thought about that or looked at it at all. And Paul how how are you thinking about that? Have you seen it yet?
0: No, uh not necessarily. Um again, I've been not overly thrilled, so I've not been digging too deep into it.
1: How does that strike you then hearing about it for the first time? Uh
0: it's alright. It's alright. I mean, it's it's cool. Yeah, it's cool. Doesn't right. doesn't make me uh want to run out and spend my money, but it's it's cool. It's neat, right?
1: And so let's talk about the last thing. Yeah. And and I'll say this that I've and in a lot of my wargaming career I've not loved the idea of reserves and not deploying all my models at once. Uh, but both this game and Conquest have forced me to rethink that by playing with the way that reserves work in a really interesting way. Um, and it's not like other games where you're like I hold these guys off the board and they're just going to come on and beat the shit out of you later or whatever, right? Or I have to roll dice or whatever it is in this game. During deployment, like after you flip deploy, basically you always have to divide your force into three pieces. And when you flip the deployment card, it tells you where where each of them deploy and when they deploy. So there's always a group or two groups or whatever that are going to deploy on turn one. And it shows you where they're going to, where they're going to deploy. But then the other symbols will have like a two or a three or whatever next to them. And you deploy, like it might be one group deploys on turn one. And then the other two groups deploy on turn two, it could be one on two, one on one, one on two, one on three, and et cetera, and et cetera. So you have to really like think about how you split your force and look at where they're going to actually have to come onto the board. Um, and I, I think knowing ahead of time where, like you don't necessarily know which group is going to come on at what time, but once you flip deployment, you know, right? So ahead of, depl- ahead of the, the deployment card being flipped, you have to be pretty smart about how you divide your force because you don't want to get stuck in a bad position. Uh, And then after the deployment card flips, you look and you're like, okay, this is what I'm going to do with my three groups, um, and and it, it forces you to like it, it basically treat your deployment again as a resource and your models themselves as a thing that you have to manage uh, before the game. And once again, once those cards have been flipped, you know where they're going to come out, so you can think about what your plan of attack is. Like, what do I want to do on turn one because I know that this group of models is going to come off this side of the board, and also I know where my opponent's models are going to come onto the board. Um, And I think it's going to make for some really interesting tactical play in the later turns of the game. And the other thing is it doesn't, like turn that it's not it's not setting that first turn into a giant murder fest and the other thing that it allows games workshop to do is play with deployments so that like turn one you have the one group and the one group is like seven inches away from each other so there's no like turn one we all move a little bit and wait like it's turn one i'm in your shit jacking your jewels do you know what i mean like it I, i don't know i think it's really cool i don't know how you guys feel about it
2: I would have to see it being played. Um, I will say like when I did my Malfo demo game the other day and seeing that uh, like Malifaux has done something similar where you do your split deployment. Now it's obviously very different. And the fact that you're still deploying your whole army, but the fact that the first player deploying splits and then you deploy the rest after you're done, like I didn't, I didn't like it. But again, I've only played one game of that. This is also obviously a little different uh, in that aspect. Um, I know... A song of Ice and Fire has a specific scenario where or uh mission where you do something very similar where you split half of your army and then the rest of it comes on later on during the game. So I guess I would just have to play with mechanics like that.
1: I've never done a lot with that, so I don't know how I feel. I'll have to get the I'll have to play test it. How about you, Paul? Do you need more explanation? Do you understand how it's gonna no, work? No, I,
0: I, I actually I actually think that's kind of intriguing. Um might get annoying, but that might only be because it's so different. Um, but it could it could actually end up making interesting gameplay, uh, especially with the fact that you have you know three other cards that you're flipping or or whatever
1: exactly right it's fascinating to me like you have to split your force before you, before you know what your objective is and before right. you know where those three forces are going to come on so it's basically like if you think about it right you're a roving band right of fighters and if you think about it like if you were if you put yourself in the scenario of your war band let, you don't necessarily know what threat you're going to come upon as you're, like, sneaking through a ruin, but you might go, all right, you guys go this way, we're going to go this way, and we're going to come around that way. And, you know, depending on what we find, you know, you want to be able to make sure that, you know, you know, like, you have the right people with the right other people to handle specific threats as they come in. Right. Um, and I, I think that's a, 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 the cool thing that it's simulating Um, And again, I think if you didn't, if you had to reserve them and then it was like, you have to put your B team on in turn two or whatever, it wouldn't be as fun as like you flip the card and you're like, okay, the hammer team is going to be six inches from the middle. That's going to be six inches from the middle of the other team. So we're going to be within 12 inches of each other. And then on turn two, all my other guys come out of the southwest side of the board like you know you know what i mean you know exactly how it's going to work out and where your guys are going to run run on from and you know what the objective is so then it's just like this is what i'm going to do with my groups um and i think that's pretty cool
2: yeah it definitely adds a kind of level of a fog of war kind of feel yeah to the game which which i have been appreciating uh that being added to more and more games i wasn't sure i would like it to begin with but as as more and more games are adding that feel to it I like it.
1: Yeah, me too. And so I think we've talked about most of the core mechanics. So let's talk about how this game is being marketed to start. So the initial product offering is this $170 box which when you hear it you're like Jesus Christ, $170, right? Like I I don't think Wow, a I didn't realize it, I didn't
0: realize like it was that expensive. That's pricey. Yeah,
1: I don't I don't think there's a single war game where it's like $170. That sounds reasonable. Like, just like on face value, right? It's just a ton of money. Um, but now let's break it down and look at it. So if we look at the terrain and we think about Games Workshop terrain and we think about Games Workshop terrain pricing, whether fair or not, um, I think that there is probably, if we were to like individually price out the terrain kits that come in this box, not kidding, $120 worth of terrain in the box. Straight right. up. Just, just think of the terrain. It's ninety to one hundred twenty dollars, flat out. Um, it's a shitload of terrain. There is a ton of terrain in this box, like almost enough that you could mix and match a, a Frostgrave table out of it. Like, there's a lot.
0: Right. Oh damn.
1: So, that's cool. And then you get two warbands, and we've seen that the warband boxes are 50 bucks a piece. They, I mean, the Cypher Lords are $50, right? We don't have to guess. The Cypher Lords are coming out the same day, and they're 50 bucks. So right now, we're at 190
0: Ooh, let me get on that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm buying the Cypher Lords? Yeah, it sounds like exact. You need those, you need those guys. You need those Illuminati boys. Yeah,
0: got be, to be Illuminati. Got to be uh, cryptics from uh, Brandon Sanderson books
1: anyway yes 50 bucks so we're at 190 right 190 like straight out the gate um, then it comes with the all the cards that you need and all the tokens that you need which is some value that's harder to assign um, but also a rule book that's selling separately for 50 so, while the core box is one seventy, if you take the pieces individually, um, it's you're getting like it, it's not as if you're paying retail price for everything individually in one box. There is some box value savings,
0: right? Which um, would be disappointing otherwise.
1: Right. I mean, you have
0: to use a little bit of
1: like late stage <laughs> capitalism logic to like accept <laughs> that pill like with without any criticism at all. Right. Um, but at the same at the same time it, $170 when you look at what you're getting uh, on current market value does feel fair like when you really look at it objectively it feels like a fair price to f- pay for the box like i was hoping for 150 and then i saw the box and i was like there's no way that box is $150 like, I thought when I first saw the box, I was like, that's 190 Like, I right. thought it was going to be one ninety two hundred dollars dollars when I saw it. Because I was like, because it comes with more than Blackstone Fortress. And that's $125, $130 right there. Comes with more than the Kill Team box initially came with. That was $150. So, uh, well, it's about the same, I guess, but there's less terrain and more, more models, specialized though. models too right like the kill team box came with like a frame of gene stealers that they've been printing for years and a frame of ad that they've been printing for years that are like generic multi-pose models where these are like specific sculpts so um that's again not apples to apples either
2: i still i mean i again from a from a standpoint of is it fair <sighs> That's, that's a hard pill to swallow, too, because GW prices are inflated already as it is. Yeah, they're very high. I mean, so, so I mean, is it fair for GW prices? Sure, I'll give you that. It's fair for GW prices. But if I'm going to look at what that game comes with with the terrain in it, that Infinity Box is how much?
1: 85. With how much terrain in metal models? <laughs> I, 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 get, I get it, man. I get it. It's twelve. I think it's 12 models in the Infinity Box. And, stark look, lannister and a, and a starter sim- set <clears> size... just say that
0: yeah what stark, I mean, what now, paul okay. stark I mean, lannister it's
2: gonna be hard to do the start yeah it's gonna be hard to do the stark lannister set because of the fact you're not getting 3d terrain in that right so yeah. i don't think it's a it, it's not apples to apples it's no but like also though look, how look at how it's, many it's models you're
0: like getting green apples you know like the the meat of it is going to be your models I,
2: right. I and, 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 and i agree with that
1: and Paul's a, it, po- to yeah. Paul's point, like, the, both games give you a thing where it's the complete experience of the game in a box, right? And to Paul's point, the complete experience for Song of Ice and Fire is ultimately much more affordable.
2: But again, if you're taking $170 and you're splitting it between two people because it does come with two factions, you know, you, you are looking, you know,
1: 65 or whatever that math is. And also, if you can if you compare this apples to apples with other game systems, and you think about if you were to buy MDF or plastic terrain to fill this space, and you were to buy the models, so I think being fair, it's like two crew boxes for Malifo, fifty bucks at a crack, right? So you look at that, you look at what the cost of buying a mat for Malifo is, and maybe like decking out a table with Plastcraft terrain now it is more terrain on a bigger surface area but you're talking about getting into a similar price range and i, I don't want to say that that you know the experience of playing Warcry is the same as playing Malifo, because i just don't think that's going to be the case uh but you know at, at pr- price wise it, it's just that 170 dollars all at once feels like a lot all at once oh it um, is but you know again i i I, it is a lot. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Uh, lot. But I, I would, again, I, I'm, I'm willing to, to sit on the hill and say that I think that that does feel like the right price point for what you get in the box. Like, it, looking at the whole market, um, whether or not that that's, that's objectively fair, maybe not. Um, but that, that does feel like the right price.
2: Yeah, looking at it from GW pricing, you're getting a deal. Yep, you're, and you're getting a, a good deal. Right, you are.
1: Yep.
0: So um, I want to I want I want to hit on something since you guys kind of brought it up and skirted around something that I was I was thinking about, and that's the fact that, well, maybe I'm answering my own question here, but with with some of the rules or some of the scenarios, you end up with. Monsters, and I know that you get monsters in the starter set. Oh and actually shit, you I get forgot to mention, you get like twelve yeah, monsters. So you get two yeah, yeah. of you, monsters. You, you get there's, you get enough. So more you get enough money. monsters to be able to split them with the person you're splitting the box with. Yep. But what if you don't buy the starter? I mean, I guess you're stuck buying a faction and a zone and and just playing with your zone and if it comes with monsters you're good and just assume that you know if another person you're playing with another person you get the full experience i mean so is, my it,
2: my assumption is is that they'll sell those monsters separately because they the the missions certain missions require you to have right
0: but those those, those would come with the, the yeah. terrain yeah. box yeah. that it, they, it you it, it comes imagine
1: with. they'll come with the monsters yeah so here's the deal, Paul. You, you can buy the, the cards. It's like an open war deck, right? So you can buy the cards. I think they're like 20 bucks. Um, so you can get the four decks of cards. Um, and I, I, I would assume they don't come with the monster ones because I'm assuming that those monster twists will come with the monsters. So you can buy the rule book. You can buy a kill zone or whatever they're calling them. You can that's something realm. You can buy the cards, and then you can buy your warbands, or there are nine AOS factions that you can buy, and then the card packs for those AOS factions are like 8 bucks a pop.
0: Right. So
1: there are ways to play it outside of getting the starter kit. On day one, they're going to have the mausoleum kit out there. So they're going to have that like graveyard mausoleum kit that you can buy. They're going to have the rule book. They're going to have the cards. And if you don't want to buy the starter box, there will be ways for you to play the game.
0: Right, That's and I and and I guess I guess I guess if you want to really be playing, you got to buy this uh, a faction and a, a zone.
1: Hmm. Right. So let's talk about the most important question: is who the hell is this game for? Um, what niche does this game fall into? Where does it fit into like the average war gamer's diet? And like again, like who is the target market for it? Uh, I don't know how to answer all those questions. Um, I think that there is a need for a skirmish game that is fairly light on rules and high on theme. Uh, and this game falls into that bucket. I don't know that I have a game that like fits on my kitchen table, is feels and looks incredible. Uh, and has a rule set that i could teach to my friends that i play board games with uh, and i feel very confident that i can do that with this game like extremely confident
0: i mean I, I feel
2: like for me this is marketing towards i know it's not i know it's been plagued this and i know it's not it because it's got a different definitely rule set but it's it's filling that void of like age of sigmar kill team for all those people that don't like playing 40k this is now, hey, you guys want to play Kill Team but you don't like playing forty K. Here's Ace of Sigmar. It the rule I sets different ag- enough so that way it's not Kill Team. But I do, it's
1: got that same feel. I do agree and I, I'm actually looking forward to getting some hate for saying this. Um but it feels a lot like Baby's first war game too. Like even though this, this game sure as hell does not pass the Christmas morning test, um, it's still like in terms of like getting a war gamer into the hobby, like if you think about When you were a kid, you know, like for me, it was seeing the Warhammer 40K third edition starter box on the shelf and, you know, like seeing that, like cover with the dark Eldar and being like, oh, my God, that's so rad. Uh, And, you know, being like a really impressionable, like 10 year old. (coughs) And I feel like this game is that game. I think a lot of war gamers and a lot of people like us that are looking for big, complex experiences are missing the fucking point. Uh, And the point is that this game, if I had, like, a 12-year-old boy and I wanted to get that 12-year-old boy into war games, you better believe this is the game I would be looking square at because it's the rules are accessible, the crew building is minimal, so I don't have to worry about doing everything for my kid. The miniatures are fairly easy to assemble from what I've seen, and it's a really cool project for a parent and their kid. Um... So I I really think that this game like wh- while there's going to be a ton of GW's core audience that's like hard into this game, I think that's part of the core audience for this game is again that baby's first war game. And again, I don't I don't know if you guys agree with me, but that I'm going to ride that line hard in thinking that that is probably true.
0: Yeah. See, I mean, you say that, but then the price point just doesn't back that up.
1: Well, I don't know I see and I don't know if they have a choice there right because I know if they want if offer, they want to
0: do a two player it's got to be that pricey but it's just when there's so many other games now that have a, a, you know look at X-Wing a $40 buy in you know it's right, it's but, hard but to look like, at that and justify that much
1: compare the experience you buy a $40 starter of X-Wing you're playing with three models on your kitchen table it's a, it's about uh as immersive as like pretending your Walmart swimming pool is a wave pool at a water park. You're fucking kidding me, right? Like this this game is like a, a full a full table of beautiful terrain and gorgeous miniatures. And again, it's sure, like project sure. But thing, you right? know, you like, know the,
0: the the other thing too with that chops though is that then you're you're in, you're opening up a, a crap ton of sprues. Right. And and you, yeah, it's a lot I of know, work. that can be that's daunting for newbies. Right. Yeah, that's just it. So it's it's yes, it's the rule set is is baby's first war game. But there's just some things about it that that scream. No, it's not. And and for me, it would be the price point And I mean, I guess on the other hand, looking at some of the models is they're not things where you're going to have to figure out uh poses and stuff like that they are pretty much they go in the shape that they're going to go in. Look. Yeah. Yeah, which is fine, which I like. I mean, I I don't have a problem with that because then you know what's on the table across from you. Um so I guess on that level it is. Um but I I don't know. I I feel like a, a 170 bucks is is steep, but then again, I'm also grown up and old and I guess if I had no bills and you know, was a kid, and I guess that would maybe be better. I, I'm I'm not sure.
1: Yeah, and and while expensive, right? I I think what the the part of the hobby, right? And and what game stores up is selling is like the experience of the hobby, um, right? And this game, this is a big box of hobby, right? Like, uh, and and that and that and that again to me, I think lends more to the point where they're targeting new war gamers uh with this game specifically um because they it is the whole experience in the box the modeling the painting the terrain the sort of like uh, the, like that that whole like pi- like piling through this big box of awesome shit like all of that is in this experience um, and then you get a, 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 what feels like a pretty serviceable rule set that's not intimidating to learn. And you're not referencing charts and graphs and, and you know, like comparing stat lines and writing lists. Like it, it just it takes a, par, a lot of the pain. It, it takes a lot of the pain out while keeping the fundamental parts of the hobby in.
0: Right. Yeah. I mean, it's 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 doing that, uh, which is good. It needs that. GW needs something yeah. to do that. GW um, needs that, right. And yeah. they,
1: like, if they want to continue being the titan, they have to act like the titan. And one of the things that they have to do is attract new players. Yep. And this feels like a There's step in two. that direction.
2: Yeah, they, they have to innovate or they're going to get stale and they're going to see Exodus. Exactly. They, you know, they saw. You know, and they've already I mean, seen that, right? Now, they,
1: they experienced years of like, uh privateer press eating their lunch. Uh, and they're not eager to go back to that. Nope.
0: My only my only concern and this um But
2: at the same time they have the double edged sword because when they innovate they have things like the mass exits of players that they had when Age of Sigmar came out. Right. When people are coming back to it.
0: You end up with a situation where and, and, and I don't know if this is a, a nature of their their business model being public and all that, but it's like, I feel like GW is constantly coming up with the next thing, right? Like, they're, you're never taking time. Um, I, like, like, I just don't feel like the games are developing before the next thing is, is coming out. And I, I I could be very wrong on that, but that's just kind of how it feels at the moment. Is that it's just constantly the next thing, the next thing, and it's never and it doesn't seem like it's it's building all that much in a meaningful way on what's already there. Uh, but it's just bringing something new, like and and different. But I I just feel like it's everything's rushing through. And I think that's part of my frustration with it, and one of the things that is making me not interested in it because it's like, okay, we've had Shadesmore, okay, we've had, you know, Kill Team, okay, and and what are they going to do next summer? That's going to be big, and you know, it's. I just feel like it's just going to be another new game it's just thing that after thing after thing, yeah, it's just after thing after thing after thing, and uh, it's just not. I'd I'd rather see like uh Night Vault and and Kill Team get focused on or or I don't, I don't know. I mean, I guess I mean stuff's coming out for that, but I don't know. I feel like they've been pushed aside and now it's Warcry, Warcry, Warcry and then next summer it'll be next thing, next thing, next thing. And that's just frustrating to me.
1: I and I get that. Yeah,
2: I will I will say the the, the GW hype machine uh has definitely uh, it's it's a little exhausting at times.
1: Oh, very exhausting, yep, for sure. Um, but, you know, they're trying to fill that suite, right, where they've got, like, the, the big game, the medium game, and the small game for each of their systems, and I think they're there now, and they'll, you know, and again, you know, only time will tell um, what they focus on and what they don't. But past evidence is that Necromunda has been fully supported and people were talking mad shit about that game when it came out about how like GW never supports shit and you know that game has been out for a while now full support still Nick and then there's it appears like there's going to be a a renewed wave and focus next year on Necromunda so no worries there Kill Team came out big push and now we're getting like the same sort of like trickle of releases that all of the game systems get um you know, because what they do, it feels like, is they take a month, they focus on Age of Sigmar, they take a month, they focus on 40k, they take a month, they focus on Kill Team, they take a month, they focus on Necromunda and Blood Bowl and whatever, and Adeptus Titanicus, and then they take a month and they do another thing like a board game, and then it just circles back, right? And there's like releases peppered in for everything in that cycle. Um, Uh, And it it just feels like this is another cog in that cycle so that they can, like, stretch the window out so that they're not bloating all of their game systems by having this, like, weekly crunch that they have to have. Um, And, yeah, maybe they're segmenting their audience a little bit. um, But I think, like me, right, like, for me, when I look at Games Workshop, a game like Warcry is the only game in their system suite that I'm really interested in playing. Um, So... And I think that's more the target they're trying to reach. They know that people, you know, there's some people that are going to buy everything, and they know that they make certain systems for certain people. Like, some people are only interested in playing 2,000-point games of 40K. That's all they care about. And they're not going to leave those people behind. Those people are getting Sisters of Battle this year. Um, They're, you know, continually updating rule sets in White Dwarf and, you know, doing whatever they're doing. So... I'm not too worried about it from that aspect, I, but I do understand that it is exhausting to keep up with their releases because it feels like every week it's a giant shiny bobble.
0: Yep. Yep, maybe that's our, our fault for paying attention to all of it.
1: Right. Exactly. Anyway, um, circling back into Warcry... Um, I think we can do like a final thoughts on Warcraft and and what I'm mostly interested in Paul is like, have I moved you or have Chris and I moved you out of the negative needle into at least the passing
0: interest in trying the game? No, I mean, I just, I just, I feel like, and and this goes back to uh, you asking where it fits in. And I just, I just don't feel as though there's enough uniqueness in this for me to 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 try and fit it in, um, I feel like a lot of the stuff that it's doing, I'm already getting elsewhere. Uh, so I don't necessarily feel that need to to run out and and try it. Maybe maybe if I th- if I enjoyed the models more, uh, I'd be more interested. But yeah, I mean, it's just kind of eh.
1: Yeah, and and part of wargaming right is being into the aesthetic. And if the aesthetic's not doing anything for you it's re- it's a really hard sell, right? Like part of the reason that we're all into a song of ice and fire so much is that we care so much about the world and it makes it really easy to get immersed in your models. Yep. Um, So it, it's hard for me to argue that point, right? If the, if they're not doing anything for you and the core mechanics are fairly thin, it's going to be a hard sell.
0: Yeah. And I think, I think that's, that's part of it is that, you know, I've, and I feel like I've been through, you know, again, two release cycles already for games that are that fit this category of you know small kitchen table game one of them is already age of sigmar themed so you know i feel like it's not bringing anything new
1: that's fair so paul's final thoughts meh
0: uh, less than meh less than meh <laughs> <laughs> yeah less than meh more Ouch. more like. Ouch. All right, I guess if that's what you want to do, have fun. <laughs> Damn, son. Damn. Yeah, yeah, I just keep going. Yeah. I, was, we, we I was at meh for quite a while and then just it just went downhill from meh.
2: Well, it's uh I, I can't help but say but it you, Chops, you, you, we, we made it worse for two people cuz um my hype is now after after sitting down and talking about the combat, uh, the price point, uh, my, I'm down to a three <laughs> out of a five now.
1: All right, um, oh, downgrade. Because like I
2: said, I, I, I hadn't I hadn't gotten to a chance to look at a lot of the the cards for the for the models yet and see them in play and sitting, and, it, and maybe my opinion will change of, of after trying it. But you know after the conversation of like the abilities, the design space, where it's going to go, the uniqueness. It, it definitely dropped things for me. And then that price point just. It's just. Uh, it's, just it, it, I, it's too low. Or it's too high. I mean, it's just too damn high.
1: Yeah, the new Bushido two player box is coming out. Uh, Drop Zone Commander is coming out. The Infinity box set's coming out. Like, there's lots of other stuff. Like.
2: Well, I mean, look at the, the, the Baratheon box set for Simon. I mean, it's technically two armies in one.
1: And then later in the year, the Dothraki box.
2: Right, you know the the that's gonna have terrain. It's gonna have dice. It's gonna have your rules. It's gonna have your tokens. And again, it's just it's half the price.
1: Right. Half the price. Right, right, and like for this this game that I want as baby's first war game, I'm gonna get Riot Quest for my eight year right. old. Right, exactly. So, yeah, I'm. I talk. I just talk myself into a three. Po- God damn it. <laughs> did
2: all of, did all of our opinions go
1: down? Yeah, we've, like we we've all we've all down. decreased. Um anyway, I still think it's an interesting game. I'm still rooting for it and I I want it to do well because I want Games Workshop to like the thing the nightmare scenario here is that the game doesn't sell and they're like, "Well, we can't take risks on games anymore, guys. Let's just keep making the same shit we've been making for two and a half decades." Yeah. yeah no, I get that point. Um and I'm well, shit, like three and a half decades, and I'm I'm just not I'm not into that, right? Like I, I want them to to innovate, so I want the game to do well, but at the same time, the game needs to be good, right? It needs to sell on its own merits, right? Um, and that's
0: just it, you know. You can you can you can differentiate between hey, uh, this game didn't do as well, and oh look, we shouldn't innovate. You know what I mean? Like there's a difference there.
1: Yeah. Um, well, let's let's hope. I don't know. Well, we'll again, we'll see and and also it's important to note that none of us have played the game. So we're all just talking shit anyway.
0: Yep. Um,
2: this is all pure speculation.
1: Right. And we'll we'll all get our hands on it. There's all, you know, I think there's multiple stores in my area that have it. I'm going to try to swing by the Games Workshop store this weekend and play it. Um but yeah, yeah, that's War Cry. We're all we're all officially downgraded a level and less hyped than we came into the episode. <laughs> but we've given it a fair shake and we've talked for over an hour about it, so that's something.
0: But you know you know what though, Chops, that seems Agreed. to be the thing. Other other things I've been watching, uh people going into it are, are getting less psyched as they're talking about it.
1: All right. I mean that's I guess that is what it is. But uh yep. Hey, we've got uh, M3E and Infinity Wildfire to look forward to. So yeah, make it also, happen. Also, A Song of Ice and Fire. Woo-hoo. All right. Anyway, next up, uh, tune in same bat time, same bat channel for Gen Con hype next week.
0: Heck yeah! Uh, bye. Bye.
1: Oh shit! You know what? False, false start, guys. Uh, thank you, first of all, uh, to our Patreon backers. Uh, Also, join the Discord, and thank you to Static of the City for our uh, intro and outro music. And now, for real this time, bye!
2: Chops attempt to get us on track and end this shit now.
0: Yep, because it's a ninety-minute episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: I'm sure you guys want to go to bed.
0: I do. No,
1: uh,
2: yeah, no, I'm up for a little bit, but no, I'm,
0: I'm, I'm jumping off right away. I'm.